Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to kick off a new recurring series we will be featuring on Paradigm Shift called Inside the General Counsel's Office. Over the course of this podcast, we have talked to a number of lawyers who have held the GC position within various organizations and who have shared their insights with us on myriad topics, including relationships with outside counsel, their interactions with the board and the C-suite, the importance of diversity and inclusion, emotional intelligence, leadership, and numerous other topics. I am so excited to be kicking off this series of conversations with General Counsel with my interview with a terrific lawyer and role model who I am thrilled to call both my client and good friend. It is my privilege to welcome Shar Dalton to the show. Shar is a creative and versatile attorney bringing a unique perspective to the corporate legal function. Shar is a member of senior management and serves in a corporate generalist capacity. In her current role as general counsel and vice president for SECO Logistics, she manages legal issues for SECO's worldwide entities, as well as handling her responsibilities for the human resources and compliance teams. Her global responsibilities include corporate governance, commercial transactions, litigation management, contracts, and other legal affairs for the organization. Shar's focus is on business facilitation and risk mitigation, while still accomplishing the needs of the client as organization. Shar is passionate about the practice of law and participates as a leader in a variety of corporate-wide initiatives. Shar joined SECO after working as general legal counsel at NNR Global Logistics for five years and has international legal experience working for BGC Partners in the UK. Shar received her bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan and graduated with her JD from Wayne State University. It is an honor to welcome Shar to the show. Shar, welcome to Paradigm Shift. Hi, Tina. Thanks for having me. So, Shar, let's kick things off with you sharing with our listeners a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to be a lawyer. Sure, I'd love to. And thanks again for having me, Tina. Today, I am General Counsel and Vice President of SECO Logistics. And uh, just a little bit about the company I work for. SECO Logistics operates out of 120 offices. We have a presence in 40 countries and we're roughly a $760 million global company. So we have pretty broad reach and we have a complex suite of service offerings that we offer to our clients anywhere from freight forwarding services, e-commerce and omni-channel logistics, software services, inventory management, you name it. Thinking about what I do today for Seagull Logistics as their general counsel and where I came from, Looking back, I I grew up in a very rural area. I came from a very humble household and grew up pretty poor with limited means. In fact, the high school I graduated from in Lapeer, Michigan, is actually now closed due to under enrollment. Wow. As as a 
16, I moved out of my house pretty early and had some struggles with school and sort of getting getting my acclimation with where I was going. And as I navigated the system growing up, you know, I, I felt quite frankly, Tina, I felt a little lost and underrepresented. So I felt a little shuffled through the system and I didn't feel like I had an advocate. So I was sparked and motivated at a pretty young age and had an appetite for advocacy and for the law. And I knew I wanted to help people in need. And originally I thought I would go in some form of guardian ad litem program or civil rights work or juvenile advocacy. Um, and it just didn't end up being the path that I, um, that I traveled all the way through the end. I did do some internships along the way and worked in the prosecutor's office where in the same city where I went to high school. And I also spent a few years working for some attorneys at a small defense firm. And uh, at some point, my, my life path led me in a different legal direction than I had originally anticipated, where today I'm, I'm running the legal team for this global uh, logistics company, which I absolutely love. That is an amazing story, Shar, and you are so accomplished. When you look back on your, on your background and you look back on, on where you came from, you had mentioned that you really didn't feel like you had much of an advocate or someone in your corner to really help you along. So how did you do it? What was your North Star, so to speak, to get you to where you are today? Oh, goodness. So that, that one is, without a doubt, my, my North Star to get me where I am today, Tina, was my brother. Um, my brother is now since passed, but he really was my rock. And when I moved out at a young age, he was three and a half years older than me. And he really stepped into the shoes of being my friend slash parent for so many years while it was challenging for me to even get through high school, let alone figure out what I was going to do with, you know, a career and all of these big decisions after that I had no way to, to fund on my own. And so it was really just having this incredible person, you know, in many ways, love me more than he loved himself and support me through this journey that made me the person who I am today. And also, you know, even today when, when the chips are down and you, you feel really low, I always feel his spirit with me and know that he, he believed in me and believed that I could do great things. And sometimes it's that one motivator in your life that can, you know, really just open doors for you and, you know, get you to a place where you never thought you could be. Well, I'm so sorry. I mean, you and I've talked so much about your brother over the years and, it just saddens me that I never had a chance to meet him and that he's not here with us. And it's interesting when you, and when you and I talk about your brother, it actually reminds me a lot of the conversations we have about my mom. Um, yeah. You know, she, you know, of course my father and my brothers and my family were very inspirational to me and were there for me, but you know, I, I definitely hold a special place in my heart for my mom and she continues to inspire me today, even though it's been over 30 years since she passed. Of course. Yeah, those, 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 their spirits and those influences don't go away. So talking about your journey, I mean, obviously you've been a general counsel now for, for several years. As you went to law school and started your legal career, um, when did you decide that working for a company was the better approach and, and, and what aligned best with your interests and talents and so, and then how did you essentially take that path of working for a company and decide that you were going to try to pursue a general counsel role? 
Well, I think I mentioned, Tina, I did a few internships along the way to really flesh out if I enjoyed working, um, you know, in, in the prosecutor's office. And then I, I worked for a while at a law firm. And I actually fell into a business role early on in my career because I ended up moving overseas to the UK over a dozen years ago now. It makes me feel really, it aches me to say that, but I <laughs> to the UK where I worked as an in-house contract attorney for one of the Kantner Fitzgerald Group companies. And I loved working in that in-house environment. And so when I moved back to the U.S., I moved back to the U.S. in 2008, and that's when I settled on the Chicagoland area. And I joined NNR Global Logistics as their first in-house legal counsel, where I stayed for five years. And I think my my ability to manage the contract work and to you know some of the skill set that I had picked up overseas in an internal environment really benefited me in in starting up the legal department for their U.S. subsidiary here just outside of Chicago. Um, So in many respects, you know, some of the issues that I've dealt with in both in-house environments have really paved the path for my current role as as general counsel at SECO. And looking back, I can't imagine working in any other environment apart from being in-house in a company you know, shoulder to shoulder with the business team, handling some of the day-to-day decisions and challenges that, that we have here. So I've, I've just been really fortunate to fall into this path. So what are your different responsibilities as GC? You know, as we've talked about, you've had this role now for several years. It would be interesting for our listeners to hear not only what your day-to-day responsibilities look like, but also the extent to which those responsibilities may have shifted over the past several years since you took on the role? So the responsibilities that uh, for the, the SECO group companies right now for the worldwide entities that fall under the Office of the General Counsel include anything from human resources, responsibilities, compliance, um, claims. We have commercial transactions that I spend a lot of time managing. We've been very, very acquisitive at SECO in recent years, and so we're we're growing by um, small tuck-ins and acquisitions, which keeps me very, very busy. Uh, I also manage litigation. I work with with uh, you and your team on intellectual property. Um, we work on contracts of all all sorts, as was just the typical um, gamut of of corporate governance type of work that would um, fall to the legal department. So, uh, to to answer the question about how how things have shifted over the years. It's hard to even put your finger on how how your workload evolves. And I think for all legal departments in-house, we can all appreciate the rapid pace of change. And I think some of the um, challenges that, that we have is just be even keeping up with the accelerating pace of change. And it seems to me that the Delta seems to be moving in much less time. I've seen this in my role at SECO and our entire organization where some cases we're we're leading the charge amongst our competitors following up after um, certain regulatory changes. GDPR is a good example of our business just changing so fast to to comply with a new regulation or or requirement. Um, So I think just the, the constant 
shift in day to day. I have a hard time even cutting out how the role has changed over the years. So how involved are you with respect to sort of, I mean, obviously you work with the C-suite and you work with the board and we'll get into that a little bit more later, but to what extent, in addition to providing legal counsel to the business, to what extent are you in the room, for example, helping to talk about directions? And obviously you mentioned that you are at a company that's been very acquisitive, to what extent are you leaned upon to help um, strategize regarding the future of the company? So I'm very involved in those day-to-day conversations, Tina, and I have had a seat at the table here at SECO in that regard for quite some time for the past five years that I've been here. And I think it's really, really hard for anyone in the GC role to be effective unless you are part of those conversations, those dialogues, those policy planning and strategic decisions that get made. And for me, I've just been so privileged at SECO in this regard, both with my initial CEO, Bill Washer, who was our chairman for years and years, for 40 years. He was just such an excellent supporter of the development of the GC role and in recognizing that SECO needed to bring in a GC and that the GC should have a seat at the table and part of that dialogue. So this was, I would say, the first paradigm shift if I can, was ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to slip that in there somewhere. I was impressed I could work that in. But <laughs> the first paradigm shift for SECA was really acknowledging that they needed counsel. And then the second for me here, thinking about, um, you know, having part of the day-to-day conversations, as you asked, the second paradigm shift was when Bill transitioned his leadership to James Gagne, our current CEO and president which has, um, he has just been really instrumental to accelerating my role to even a larger degree so that I've been able to be a part of that dialogue and effectuate more change here at SECO. So I think both of these transitions uh, were, were big shifts and both required leaders and CEOs at the top who understood and supported the role of the general counsel. And without Bill or James in, at the top, supporting this position, neither of these the, these changes would have been successful. And a lot of the things that we've been able to accomplish as a team um, might not have been such a partnership. Well, it has been such a privilege, both working with you and the company, as well as just getting a chance as a friend to watch you grow and flourish in your role. And, you know, it, it's just been such, it's, it's been such a privilege and it's been, you've gotten terrific experience there and the company's doing some really exciting things. So I can't wait to see what the future brings. It has. Uh, it's been really fun to be a part of too. Thank you. So, and looking back over the last five years, what, what do you think has been or have been some of the more or most rewarding experiences that you've had at the company? And also, what would you say are some of the most challenging experiences that you've had? Sure. I think some of the most rewarding experiences at SECO have been some of the some of the successes we've had with growth with some of the acquisitions we've made have been really, really fulfilling, although intense and stressful. And there we there there has been deal fatigue at times. It's just been really so much fun to be a part of. Seiko's uh, growth and part of the team leading it. I also think we've we've had just so many um, auto, uh, 
developments over the years and being a more automated and paperless company. And as simple as some of those things might sound, it's been really gratifying for me to be able to take entire departments and lead them through a paperless initiative or put the company on a you know document management system where we didn't have one before. Some of those things are just really fun. And yes, it does add more work at times, but it's really gratifying to see um, those initiatives be completed. Thinking about challenging aspects, oh, there's a lot of challenging aspects. I think some of the more challenging aspects for SECO and leading the legal team here is that we are so global. So we, as I mentioned, we're, we have a presence in over 40 countries. We move freight and we serve clients all over the world. So there is just a mishmash and a patchwork of compliance issues and regulatory issues that just keep coming up. And when you think you're on top of one, another one comes up. So it keeps the job interesting and definitely challenging on a daily basis. Um, You know, I mentioned GDPR, which has been a bit of a buzzword for many in-house legal departments. And we've really had to hit the ground running with new privacy programs. And we were, I believe, a step ahead of our industry in this regard and just having a well-developed GDPR plan policy rollout that we have accomplished here. And it's not been easy. Um, And yet at the same time, I think it's what has differentiated us for some of our major clients because we actually do handle personal data and information for major retailers, for example. So If we aren't able to respond and provide reassurance to those retailers that we're doing it in a legally compliant way um, for GDPR or any other similar law, then, you know, I I think our business would be potentially at risk. So I think those challenges of just being ahead of the curve with the global um, regulations are are, um, never going to go away, Tina. They're always going to be a strain on legal resources and something that we're going to have to deal with. I, I completely agree with you. I think that what we're just going to see is I think that the the topics may change, the subject matter may change, but it's going to be a continuous acceleration of change and need for the law to catch up with what have become the realities of the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask you another question. I mean, you've mentioned about all these different buckets of responsibility that you have, and I've watched you in action, and it's amazing how you are able to straddle so many different areas. How do you do it with the size of department that you have? And maybe if you could share with our listeners how big your legal department is, and then share some you know, thoughts about how you can get all of this work done for such a global company that has, you know, so has business operations in so many different jurisdictions and has so many legal considerations. What is the size of your department and how do you get it all done? That's a good question, Tina. And I do have a really small team, especially when you think about the size of SECO globally and the fact that we are just growing so fast. In the U.S., we have of uh, three attorneys and one support person and one attorney in the UK that supports the entire global operation. And we do, we are in a very, very high volume environment. And so really everything that I and the team talk about in the legal department is about risk and opportunity. And this is 
what drives us and what um, dictates our behavior when we review contracts, how, how much time we spend on things, how we address different elements of an opportunity. Um, everything boils down to risk and opportunity assessment here. So I think um, in the in-house environment, uh, you, you can't always be just risk averse. You know, the general counsel and our legal team cannot focus on avoiding risk. We've got to have this balanced measured approach. And so um, we have regular dialogues about what are the big rocks or big priorities for the organization and how those cascade down into our different departments. And so we certainly have KPIs for the department. We measure every intake that we get. We measure the amount of time that we put in on it and what, what it takes to turn it out. And I also share um, in one form or another some of those stats with our executive team monthly and we talk about them. So there's visibility of, hey, look, let's talk about what the legal team's doing you know, what was the ROI on that? Um, you know, should we have invested more time on something else? And also just having an understanding that, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to completely eliminate risk. If we were completely eliminating risk, we wouldn't be growing as fast as we are. So we are just trying, we're trying to always understand, um, you know, what, where we're trying to go as a company and just be constantly communicating about it. I think that's, that's how we're getting it done here. So our time is, is coming to a close pretty quickly for our first segment. Um, what would you say, looking back on your role at SECO over the past few years, what would you say have been the most surprising aspects of your experience? Um, not, not even necessarily so much about SECO, because I think that you know, you have really loved being there and have really made a difference there. Um, I always love talking to GCs about what, you know, they walk in with preconceived notions about what the job's going to be. And I think that there's often pretty good alignment between what they expect and what they end up getting. But I think there's always at least a few elements of surprise to the job. What have those elements of surprise been for you? You know, I think in our industry, I'll, I'll say in our industry and definitely at SECO, what surprised me about what I do here day in and day out is often that I go in with a preconceived notion sometimes that our largest, the largest customers, biggest retailers you can think of are going to be the most difficult to work with. And in some instances, those legal teams have been most appreciative of SECO being just really commercially oriented, that they've been really amenable to changes and great to work with. Whereas some of the most onerous terms I've seen have been from the smaller clients we've had. So that's one surprising um, shift that I've seen. And um, I think, you know, the, I, I don't know if it's a um, a surprise or just maybe a observation, but I think, you know, one thing that lends the role of the GC um, well positioned to relate to business people that I've learned over the years is just being authentically you. And we could probably have a whole another podcast on this. I know you've done a lot of work with IQ and emotional intelligence and things like that. And I just think if you're not comfortable in your your um, your own authenticity and and your own advice that you're giving, you're not going to come across as credible and trustworthy. So um, I think just the the value and of being um, authentically yourself it cannot be um, understated. 
I think those are two really great points. And I think that I really love your point about authenticity. I think that, you know, it's, it can be a, a difficult needle to thread sometimes, right? Because you have a sense of what's right. You have a sense, you're, you're self-aware, you have a sense of what's going on around you. Um, and just trying to make sure that in the process of figuring out what is best for the company, what's best for the business, that you're also able to be authentic in how you communicate with your team and with the decision makers of the company. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've worked with a a career coach for a few years now, Tina at Seco, who is trained. I don't know if you've ever done the Clifton Strengths Finder tool. Um, I have not. It's one of the the several tools out there um, that will give you some indication of where your natural strengths are, where your um, you know, less, or they call them supporting strengths, and then your, um, you know, areas for improvement are. And this strengths finder coach that we've worked with and career coach has been really helpful um, for, for me and for some members of our team, just in teaching us to learn to play to our strengths and, and, and having those conversations with her. In many ways, I consider this just being able to embrace who you authentically are and mm-hmm. understand that you know, we all have a unique mix and that none of us are the perfect combo of traits. So when we're honest about it and we, you know, we acknowledge it, we can then support, you know, have find people around us and and surround ourselves with people who support our lesser strengths. So I think that kind of weaves itself into the tapestry of authenticity too. Absolutely. So Shar, we are out of time for the first segment of our discussion Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners before we sign off and where can they find you? Hi. So thanks again for having me, Tina. It's been so much fun talking to you. Um, No, I think my, my final thoughts on authenticity are a good way to close this segment. Um, A friend of mine always ends notes to me with uh, be you, do you. And uh, you know, that's, that's her way of saying be authentic. So I think that's a great way to close. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. And listeners can find me. I'm on LinkedIn and also uh, my company website for Seco is www.secologistics.com. And I can also be found on www.shardalton4203board.com because one of the personal goals of mine right now is getting elected to the April 2nd election in my, um, in my district for um, District 203 Board of Education where my kids are in school. Well, we're going to get into that more in our next segment because I can't wait for you to tell our listeners more about that. So I'm thanks. Super so, yeah, I'm very excited for you too. And I'm looking forward to talking more about it in our next segment. So thanks so much, Shar, for joining us and looking forward to talking to you in our next segment. Thank you, Tina. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that you've enjoyed part one of our conversation with Shar Dalton from inside the general counsel's office. We hope that you will join us next week for part two of our conversation. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.